You're listening to the ASI Podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. This is episode number six, season six of the podcast. Help me polarize, help me polarize, help me down. Those days is where I'll be on all my problems. Help me polarize, help me polarize, help me out. There you go, a little 21 pilots for you on the ASI Podcast. Hey, by the way, ASI Podcast bumps on Spotify if you want to uh, check out that little gem of playlist on Spotify. Yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find the music for this here podcast. Just going to chat at you guys, you know, just going to, I got a, got a topic, I got a subject, but it's funny how... You know, I, I forget that I'm I'm conversing with actual humans sometimes, right? Russ at ASI247.org. We'd love to hear from you uh, because it's, it's weird. Like, sometimes I just feel like I'm, I'm creating a publication, right? Or I'm doing an audio essay, which isn't nearly as much fun as actually being in contact with you, the listener. So thinking about it more that way today as I produce this here show, um, the topic being have-tos, get-tos, and want-tos. Um, hey, by the way, that song, uh, 21 Pilots, interesting fun fact about 21 Pilots, the album Blurry Face has uh, become gold. Like, every single single on that album, like every song on the album, has been certified gold on the Billboard charts. So, in other words, that means that every song on the album is a hit. Which is interesting because, you know, it seems that most albums have a few hits here and there that they get radio play and stuff like that, and and that makes the song a hit, right? Um, That album... Every song is considered a hit as far as Billboard single sales are concerned. But it also had me thinking about the way that, uh, you know, albums are marketed today, right? Like, people are people just buying every song because they like, oh, I like that song, I'm going to buy another one. And, and uh, are they really getting that much airplay? Uh, I don't know. I don't listen to the radio anymore. So, <laughs> so, you got me. Analog radio is not something I've really sat down and listened to. My wife will listen to it sometimes, so we, she'll play it in the car. But, yeah, me? No, I'm, like, listening to Spotify or something I want to listen to. This <laughs> my, my music digest. Uh, Russ Shaw's music digest. See? That's my uh, friendly banter as I get this conversation started. Um, the topic of want to. So over the years, I've been a, uh, approaching this thing from more of a want to than a have to basis. I think that that has ebbed and flowed over the years. When I started the podcast, like episode one, season one, you know, I, I, I was, some of my approach, even in the first episode was the analogy of the cheeseburger, right? Like, 
don't think about the cheeseburger when you're trying to lose weight, right? The extra cheese and the fat dripping off of it. And imagine what it smells like, right? Oh, the smell of charred meat and animal fat, you know, just just hot off the grill, you know. So someone talking to you like that when you're trying to not, right, you're trying to lose some pounds, not super helpful. Does that make sense? Like your mind starts to flow with that thoughts and that, oh, yeah, your mouth starts to water, you know. So <clears throat> having a different set of want-tos is, uh, is the approach. So if you don't want to eat the cheeseburger, then what does that mean, right? If someone starts talking like that and you get kind of sick, um, I don't know cheeseburgers are good but some people like my friend cash like he would if you described a cheeseburger like that i don't think he would he would be into it he's, he's a vegan right he's been that way for a while he's a healthy guy uh so again what do you what do you want what what stirs your affections is part of what i'm getting into here and uh when it comes to sexually explicit material and why you go after such things or compulsive sexual behavior that you want to change about yourself, all right, that's different than some of the religious um, aspects to it, right? Like some of you are listening because God said no, right? Uh, you believe that pornography is sin or masturbating to images on a screen is sinful, um, it, we get into the language, right? This this word sin has has shamey, like super shamey characteristics to it. And uh, as I started this show, and just the place I was at at the time, um, that that the, that kind of language made sense to me. It was a, uh, a functional barrier at that level of consciousness. But as I started to understand how shame was working in me to keep me addicted, uh, you know, th that started to change. Now, you know, doing the show for seven years and not even masturbating during that whole time was... What was that, right? Was that my ability to uh, be into my understanding of impulse control and behavior modification you know looking back now maybe uh i really did a lot of damage i did a lot of hurt i got to see and experience some of the hurt on my family's face that i had caused um and and the stuff that was going on that i hadn't talked about until episode 40 all right i know if you're, if you're listening to the episodes because I said, hey, listen to season six. There's more to, to hear, right? There's a whole there's a whole narrative going on with some of those early shows. So that's something something to get you ready for. Um, not to be a spoiler alert, right? In, in season one. Now, was I lying about the fact that I'd gone a year without looking at pornography? No, that felt good. That felt like victory. That felt like... Hey, let's start this little audio blog and, and uh, see how that feels and see what happens. Um, I had no idea that as many people would listen to it as they did. Um, but it, it also helped a lot of people. A lot of people said a lot of positive things. And I'm a guy who's, 
you know, I, I'm not someone who's had a lot of praise <laughs> in something that I did in my life besides work. You know, like, hey, uh, you set that machine up pretty good there, Russ. You know, good job. Um, or my job today. I mean, just you get what I'm saying, right? I did something creative and people said it changed their lives. That's that's humbling for me. Um, and it's not that I thought I'd arrived at some pinnacle of sobriety, to use that word. But, you know, I thought I had a pretty good bead on things. And maybe when it came to doing some of this internal work, like when it comes to intimacy, right? This whole season being about shedding intimacy disorder. How was I at re-loving, right? Falling back in love with my wife. Um, one of those pieces of advice. So we've been married for 29 years now and people, wow, you know, that's, that's a lot. What's your secret for success? And I've always told people that you're going to be different people, um, along the way. Like some part of you doesn't change, but some part of you does like your heart, your heart down deep, that childlike self, it's going to stay the same, but, um, your interests are going to change. Your outlooks are going to change. And being married through this changing process, if you can realize that you're not going to be the same person throughout 30 years of being married, and you can ebb and flow with the changes, that's longevity in a relationship. When you let off the controls, right? So for me, um, I still had this poverty of spirit, though. I still had this thing with my wife where somewhere on the inside I had my hands up going, don't get too close. Um, you're scary. You're scaring me. I'm afraid of you. And I had this poverty of spirit, this poverty of strength, having a hard time affording you know, to go there. I can't afford to fall in love. No, I can't afford to fall in love. Yeah, I've got plenty of excuses, excuses. I can't afford to Shaky Graves down there in Austin, Texas. Love that dude. Uh, Excuses is the name of the song, right? So this this is me, season six, out of excuses. Today, talking about um, what I've talked about with some of my, you know, some of you would call it relapse, right? I, I don't see it that way as much. Um, basically, you know, looking at pornography again after my wife went out of town, after we started getting into these um, different ways of communicating. So changing the dance as far as intimacy was concerned. Intimacy. Let's repeat that word. That didn't come out right. 
Um, my wife and I, our way of doing sex and intimacy changed. And I, you know, not getting into being in therapy for a while, being in counseling for a while, um, started to climb back inside myself and just be sort of sexually abstinent, you know? Um, my friend uh, John, who's been on some some past podcasts, uh, was talking about journaling out his id, right? Like like that animal part of us. So the id is, is Freud talked about the id, the ego and the superego. The id is our is our like animal lust, right? That part of you that's just arr, that's fight or flight. Um, the part of you that wants to eat, right? Sleep, survive. You know, a big part of anger is is coming out of the id, right? Another big part of sexual desire is the need to survive. It's built in us. It's wired in us biologically. All right, that's part of the point of the id. But he he was talking about journaling out this kind of like relationship with himself in in his id, and it had me thinking about uh, doing this episode and uh, a conversation I had with my therapist. Uh, looking, so. Here's what I, here, I'll explain it to you this way. Here's how I unpacked it with my therapist. Sitting in my therapist's office now, all right? And I'm going, uh, what the fuck, right? Like, what is going on with me? Like, I'm looking at pornography, and it's not doing the same thing it did before. And she had me kind of uh, unpack some stuff that I told her before about, like, and this is embarrassing to say, but early in our sex life, you know, in our 20s and 30s and going to church and after I got through recovery and we're, you know, we're in church, I'm sort of this conservative Christian dude who figured that, uh, you know, I, I chose the right God that saved me from my chemical romances. Uh, I still believe that to a certain degree, but, the, the, you know, I had this kind of Puritan idea of God, maybe, uh, that I had scored some brownie points with God. Maybe I got, I got some gold stars and my life should, should unfold a certain way because of my, my, uh, my awesome behavior because I'm no longer a drug addict, right? Anymore. Um, so was that a sense of pride in me or, uh, that I'd earned God's love to some degree? I, I don't, I don't know entirely. But our sex life, sometimes my wife would, and I don't know, you know, she would, whether it was out of some kind of Christian guilt, right? Like, oh, you know, a good wife is going to give it up for her husband. You know, that's in Second Corinthians or whatever. Um, there's different ways to interpret that. All right. Uh, but my wife feeling like she needed to do her Christian duty you know, spread her legs and, and let me have my release, right? My, uh, uh, testosterone. Well, men have testosterone and they need an outlet. So, you know, ladies, but here's the deal. As I, as I did this healing work, I almost said, as I got older, uh, I don't think age has anything to do with it. I think age, 
I mean, there's still guys in their 50s who are, maybe their wives would be like, you know, or they, they have something on the side, right? Um, I think in the mob movies with uh, my friend Jim Henderson brought that up, the whole um, Madonna and the whore analogy, right? Like, twisted stuff, but, you know, the Catholics, <laughs> I don't know, like, I'm going off on a tangent. Um, getting back to the point, was it healthy for my wife to to do that? Did she feel like she was, you know, serving me up a meal or something like that, right? Like, it's the same thing. It's not. My friend Jeff Becker called it, uh, like, Christian rape culture. You know, was it rape? No. But was she doing it out of feeling the connection, feeling loved and wanting to make love to me because she, you know, because we were in this place of connection. Uh, some people talk about just scheduling sex once a week. You, you know, I don't have all the answers. I'm not here to say I have all the answers. But for me, I was, you know, looking at my wife who would say, you know, just go ahead and finish, right? And going, uh, no, you know, I can't do that. That's not me anymore. Um, in my 20s, yeah, you know, sadly, my wife said stuff like that. Just go ahead and finish, and I would. I would have sex with her and finish and say thank you, you know, and we would roll over and cuddle or whatever. But, you know, obviously she wasn't into it. Um, today, after doing a lot of this healing work, if she's not into it, I'm not into it. And so, similarly, my therapist was saying, when you're opening these apps and you're looking for that right image that's going to get you off, and, and sometimes I got aroused. I would get aroused by these images in the porn, right? Um, and, and, I'm, I mean, I'm, and I'm aroused. But she's not into it, right? And even looking for videos where it looks like she's into it. Like, what is that? You know, what was I doing there? Because it's still not real. It's flickering images on a screen. You know, some part of me, my arousal, like my id, part of myself was trying to fertilize a fucking screen. That's what I was doing. Uh, masturbating to it just didn't, man, it didn't pay off. It doesn't pay off like it used to. And, and I'm, I'm sitting there in my therapist's office almost in tears going, what the fuck? Am I crazy? What is, what is going on in me? And she's going like, like your wife. She goes, this is kind of good. Like your heart is changing. You're having this, this heart, heart change. That's my words. She wouldn't use those words. Um, I was having this heart change. She's not into it. Um, the woman in the porn movie, you know, if she is into it, y you know, there's probably some kind of, I don't know, you know, I'm not going to judge her, but for me, again, in my sense of healing, um, I want sex to be real. I don't want this plastic, you know, Photoshop, whatever it is, surfacey, shallow bullshit. I want my sexual life, my 
reality of connected, bonded, eye-to-eye, heart-to-heart, getting lost in one another, right? Looking at each other. I had somebody say that years ago, too. Like, you want to you wanna have a really cool sexual experience, guys? Just look in the eyes of your partner throughout the sexual experience to orgasm, all right? That is incredibly, immensely intimate. It's almost strangely intimate. For me, it was almost uncomfortable at first. Um, This is a different way of understanding sexuality. You know, that my porn use, um, pornography, you know, I've talked about my relationship with 29 years, going on 29 years this uh, summer slash summer, okay? Uh, I'll be clean from methamphetamine and crack cocaine. My relationship with those two um, ended 29 years ago. Uh, as well as my relationship with Mary Jane. I haven't, you know, and I'm not judging. I mean, it's legal where I'm at. I have friends that smoke weed. I'm fine with that. I just, I ended my relationship with her, okay? My relationship with pornography, it, again, like she was going, yeah, go ahead and finish. Uh, and I wasn't into it and I'm just not into it. Even though it's something in me, like some, again, id part of me was going, ah, what the fuck, right? I want to come. Oh man. Just wasn't working. So my hope for you all and ending this episode keeping it short and sweet here today, is that you would uh, understand some of the excuses that you might make towards sexual intimacy. And it's not just about sex. It's it's not polarized. You know, using going back to that song uh, by Blurry Face, right? The 21 Pilots there, that song is how so many people approach this. Uh, polarized, right? Purity, like you gotta be pure or you gotta be good or, you know, oh, I got so many days of not looking at porn. Uh, you know, that's that's not long-term. It's, it's not relational. It's more polarized. And if you want to be, you know, if you want me to help you polarize, like the song says, I'm not going to do that here. That's not what's going on here. Um, Overcoming intimacy disorder is something else. It's more like this song, which I'll end the show out with by the Rival Sons. It's more about opening your eyes. All right? It's it's more about consciousness and waking up. Um, I love you guys, man. I really mean that sincerely. Hopefully these shows are making sense. Uh, Russ at ASI247.org if you'd like to send me an email... Um, at Russ Shaw on Twitter. Heart, mind, love, sex, and affection uh, on Facebook is the Facebook address. And, uh, yeah, that's how you can connect with me. But, rather than connecting on social media, which isn't really connecting, right? It's not eye-to-eye, face-to-face. Again, I'm going to encourage you to... uh, be awake and alert and whole 
in your relationships, man. Till next time, bye.